episode of Beyond the Front Door is brought to you by Peak Properties in Cheyenne, Wyoming. With over 75 years of combined experience in real estate, it's our goal to help clients buy and sell and save by providing the information you want and the professional services you expect. Let us help you with your residential, commercial, HUD, income-producing properties, as well as vacant land and rental needs. To learn more, visit www.sellcheyenne.com. Okay, well, welcome. You're listening to Beyond the Front Door podcast, and I'm Lindy, and this is Rhea. We work at Peak Properties. We're realtors here in Cheyenne, and we bring you stories that inspire you, make you laugh, cry, cringe, inform you. Or all of the above. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Welcome. Um, We put the real in real estate. Oh, yes. Um, today we have um, the police department here. Yes, We're yes. Very excited. So we have Captain James, James. and Alex. Okay, Alex. Alex. Oh. I, although I have to apologize. There we go. Al- I knew that Alex Farkas. Yes. I'm the public information. PIO. Okay. She's the public information officer for the police department. Thank you guys for being here. Yes. Thank you guys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having us. So yeah, we. Um, we kind of go ahead. What do you want? Yeah, to, so we're talking about where we wanted to start. Yeah, so um, of course, as you know, um, one of the things, one of the purposes behind the podcast is to talk about Cheyenne, and we usually have a few different types of guests that come on our show, and one specifically that I think would be most applicable for the police department is sort of those industries that kind of work along the periphery of real estate, and I don't think. Um, people would necessarily think of law enforcement when they think of real estate transactions. But I definitely, um, you know, there's definitely a place in there, especially as we're talking about neighborhoods or the growth of Cheyenne, you know, what does that look like as people are choosing to move here or maybe buy a home in a different area. So we're really excited to have you on to kind of talk about the role of law enforcement and in sort of the community and kind of um, what your thoughts are around that. So thank you. Absolutely, and it's scary whenever you're going to move somewhere new that maybe you don't know very well. Yeah. And I, and I do have to laugh. I used to our hiring and recruiting, and I was floored at how many officers literally were like, well, we want to move somewhere new, and they did this to the map and picked shiny. Wow. Like, I, we do the same thing. We say, what made you choose here? And people say that, and I'm like, yeah. yeah. I don't think yeah. I do that. No, no idea. Never <laughs> been here before, and here they are. And, and you know, a lot of them loved it because they come from bigger areas and they like having the space. Um, I did lose one applicant to the wind. Oh, it's um, so when, funny when, you say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah they, they, he came out and tested. We were all ready to hire him. And him and his wife went up to Vitavu to see Vitavu. And it was it was April, one of those super windy April days. Oh. And she opened the door and the door caught the wind and it pulled her shoulder out of place. <gasps> and so now oh, they no. can't lose insurance. So they have oh. to stay where they are. They can't change jobs. Oh, and, no. And it, was, it was one of those awful things. Like, well, I guess we lost one due to wind. It was... Oh, that's not not a good thing. So I I, I really like to encourage our applicants that, yes, the spring is windy. Sometimes the winter is windy. But you never get better summers than you do in Cheyenne. Absolutely. It's it's amazing. Your temperature is perfect. You know, you can make your trips to the lakes or the mountains. And and it's super enjoyable. I always tell people, because I'm from northern Wyoming, and um, everybody talks about how awful the wind is in Cheyenne. And the steak that – the steak – the – the take that I would have on that is in northern Wyoming, the wind blows 
24-7 at like an annoying 20, 30 miles an hour. Like you, there's never a day. So when you're having a picnic or something, everything's tied down. But here in Cheyenne, it's either blasting away at you at 50 plus miles an hour, whatever the case is, or it's calm. So you have the days of calm, which I really appreciate because... In northern Wyoming, that is not how that is. <laughs> so for anybody that's worried about the wind here, I would say just give it a day and it'll calm down. Yeah, so. yeah the, the good days, I think, make it worth mm-hmm. it here. Yes. And, and I found that in hiring people. But yeah, so there's a lot of stress. We don't know what the neighborhoods will look like, anything like that. I know um, the, the sheriff talked to you about our, the website, Socrata, which you can get from going to either of our websites. And you okay. can track crime data. Uh, but I really caution people when looking at crime data, especially if they go to, if they Google, is Cheyenne safe? And in fact, a lot of those sites will say, no, Cheyenne's not safe. That's what but, he said, too. Correct. Yep. Okay. correct. And, it's, and it's really, a lot of things, they don't compare apples to apples. When, when you look at it, we are actually significantly below the national average for violent crime. Yeah. So if I'm going to think about safety, I'm going to be worried about violent crime. Now, we show significantly higher than the national average for property crime, but again, even if you go onto like the DCI's website on, on crime stats or you go to uh, the FBI's website on, on crime stats, which um, you will see that it says don't use that data to compare different agencies because mm-hmm. data is never pulled the same when it comes. Um, I don't want to discourage anybody from being safe and taking the proper steps to be safe. Um, but you know, when you look at different communities, especially when you look at property crime, so property crime when grouped together also includes shoplifting sure so there's a lot of communities where their major big box stores do not report property crime uh yeah does that mean that they're not having shoplifting or it's just not getting shot they're not getting reported reported. Mm -hmm. and and so it's when you when you look at that there's different ways you can look at it one yeah i would like to see a reduction in property crime that's one of our goals it's been our goals for for a few years in a row and we've done really well at lowering our property crime Mm -hmm. Um, we use problem-oriented policing where we analyze crime Uh, it's the sarah model okay so we scan we look for the problem we define the problem we assess the problem and and possible approaches towards that problem Mm -hmm. we respond and then we go back and we assess how well how well our response worked and so we work on that we have a new crime prevention team doing great things um, as far as reducing property crime and, and crime in general. But again, when you're looking at those stats, you, you need to make sure you're, you're comparing apples to apples, and you really can't with any of the national national things. So it's really hard to compare one community from another. You know, I, we have yep. an officer who works for us who worked for another community in Wyoming and said, no, they didn't have shopliftings because Walmart did not report shopliftings in their right. town. Uh-huh. We have two of them here that report them, and, and, and they count... Um, for almost 35% of our thefts um, come from the two Walmarts in town. Yep. Um, and it just happens. It's a big box store. It's, it's hard to stop that sort of thing. They do a good job catching them. And so that's, that's part of it, too. So if you see the higher property crime, crime rate, that may mean that they're doing a better job yep. catching them. Yes, of most, enforcing. Yep. Yeah, most, most stores do not report it unless they catch them. You know, right. They don't catch them, they don't report it, because it, it doesn't do a whole lot of good to report it if, if you don't know who the person is and those sort of things. So it, it, it is... It, it is really hard to compare those sort of things. Um, but we did see a huge uptick uh, with COVID in the year following COVID. Uh, stolen cars were, were actually insane in 2021 in Cheyenne. I'd never seen anything like it. Uh, we, we, got, we had over 400 that year, so, so wow. more than one, one a day. A day. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. we've, we've since knocked that down nearly in half. So it's, it's, it's been reduced drastically. And, and, you know, there's a lot of different factors when it comes to that. But one of the things in, during that time is... Um, a lot of property crime didn't get didn't get uh, prosecuted. 
So we had people committing those crimes and not going to jail. So there was some incentive for absolutely. committing the crime. Uh, absolutely. Well, when, <laughs> yeah. you, when you look at theory and, and the basis of crime, three things need to exist for crime to exist. You have to have a victim, a location, and a motivated offender. And that's why, especially with a lot of the property crime or drug-related crime, um, it's great to have really good things to help rehabilitate people in jail. But if they're not on the street, they're not committing crime. Right. And so it's really important to have them not on the street. And I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm really um, optimistic about the things that Sheriff Kozak's doing in the jail as, as far sure. as all their extra programs and everything else, because that's where it needs to be. Some rehabilitation Absolutely. and yeah, support. Absolutely. You know. yeah. Yeah, get them in jail where they're forced to be sober, and now you can work on them in jail and help get them, get them rehabilitated and going in, yep. in the right direction. But yeah, that was it, it. Just really killed our our property crime during that time when no one was thrown in jail for property crime. And if yep. if they're still out on the street, there you still have a motivated offender. Well, and the other thing that I tell clients is that I don't think there's a neighborhood that goes untouched. You know, crime occurs across the city. I live in a neighborhood that I wouldn't think that there is a lot of crime going on. And I remember last summer there was um, a guy that walked outside and found that all the wheels had been all the tires had been taken off of his car and were sitting on, was sitting on cinder blocks. And I was, you know, and I was like, holy cow, I just wouldn't even see something like that happening. So, I mean, that's kind of a minor, uh, not minor, but a lesser maybe of offense. Um, but it, I just don't think there's a neighborhood that goes untouched, you know, so you really have to, it really just comes down to your preference and where you want to live. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, and taking steps yourself mm -hmm. to be safe. Uh, one thing we've added to our website, Alex did a great job of, of finding a lot of crime prevention data to put on there. Um, we get them from a lot of different sources. I really like the Arizona State University's problem, Center for Problem-Oriented Policing. Mm -hmm. Lots of good stuff on preventing crime um, yep. in your neighborhood with your property. Um, but again, if you just remember those those three factors that have to be there. So you think about you know how to give... Um, they, they call it a guardian if there's a guardian there. So, you know, is it surveillance cameras? Is it not parking on the street? You know, most people will not mm -hmm. mess with vehicles if they're right. parked on a driveway. Rather than right. The it was on the street. Yep. Yes. Yep. And, and making sure <laughs> the doors are locked. Yes. Um, Don't leave your keys in your and, car. That year we had over 400 auto thefts. They all had keys in them. Yeah. So, I mean, nobody's hot wiring right. cars. Right. It's not hard to find them with the keys. And this time of year when it's freezing cold in the morning, um, we do have groups that, that come to town and drive around and looks for cars that are running, that are running and, and they right. jump in them and take off in them. <sighs> and, and so it, it's really easy to prevent. Yeah. Um, and and it's, it's hard to convince people to do that. And it, it's frustrating because you shouldn't have to. We, we live in Cheyenne. We should be able to leave our doors mm -hmm. unlocked and everything else. Um, and, and yet we can live that way, but still take, take the steps necessary to stay safe. Yeah. Uh, with, with it, you know, the way we have it. So, uh, yeah. So crime trends. Around this, every neighborhood is different. Mm -hmm. uh, the biggest thing, you know, I'm, I'm a big proponent of, of, you know, neighbors being neighborly. And yes. So I, I, I yes. guess if, if I was looking for a new house, uh, one of the biggest things I would do is actually maybe knock on the neighbor doors and talk to the neighbors a little bit and, and, and meet some people and see what they're going to be like. Because I, I find yeah. neighborhood safety is so important with, with how all the neighbors take care of each other. We you talked know. about that a little bit in one of the other podcasts because... Um, I Sorry, think that the <laughs> I just turned up the volume on the mic. Okay, <laughs> Sorry. I think that um, this newer, uh, I hate to sound like an mm -hmm. old person, but uh, 
I do think the newer generation maybe doesn't immediately see the value in connecting with their neighbors. Mm-hmm. And we talked about this in one of the previous, uh, with one of the previous guests, I can't remember which, but essentially that one of the things my husband and I have done is tried to knock on the doors of our neighbors, invite them over, you know, uh, for a beer or to barbecue or whatever the case is just to kind of get to know everybody around and I know that some of the younger couples that I knock on their door they're looking at me like why are you at my door (laughs) and I'm just like I'm not here to sell you anything I'm just here to say hey we're your neighbor and if you need Mm -hmm. anything give us a call and you know come on over this weekend and have a hot dog Mm -hmm. you know that's really kind of I think it's important for everybody to do and I will say that I think that's one of the benefits of blizzard is we all get outside and start shoveling our driveways and maybe shoveling our driveway, our yep. neighbor's driveway. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 Absolutely. Like, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate. I live in a cul-de-sac and, uh, and my neighbors are fantastic. Every time I go outside, we end up chatting about something. And yes. My wife gives me a hard time because I'll disappear outside for, for a long time. <laughs> you um, know no stranger, I'll oh, bet. Oh, e- exactly. And and I, I mean, one time she got super scared because I, I go out and I, I blow everybody's snow in, in my cul-de-sac and I move to the next one. And one of the neighbors flagged me down and, and we went inside and had coffee and whatnot. And it was one of those negative 13, negative 14 oh. days. And she's freaking out. She sees the snowblower sitting out on the sidewalk. Oh, no. And she's like, where did you go? Um, but yeah, those things happen. But I also know that if, if something strange is happening at my house, they're going to be trying to call me. They're going to be trying to call the police or they're going to be trying to help just as I will with them. Uh, you know, we, we, I have two dogs and and my golden retriever has to get groomed, took him to go get groomed. My chocolate lab goes berserk and he gets so lonely. And, and I remember the the neighbor calling me one day going, is everything okay with your dog? (laughs) He's, he's flipping out. Oh, the other dog's getting groomed, you know? So, (laughs) so it's, it's, it's what a great way to handle those things, you know, as neighbors and, and, and build that sense of community. Um, so those, you know, if I'm looking for a house, that's probably the biggest thing I'm looking for because that will really prevent a lot of a lot of those things, you know, people are watching. If they see some weirdo under your car, they're going to call the police. And, yes. And, and we, we can deal with those sort of things and get on it early. So kind of in line with that then, um, well, first of all, I guess my question for both of you would be, how long have you lived in Cheyenne? Oh, I'm actually a native of Cheyenne. You are so, a native. Yeah, awesome. I grew up here. I love this community. I went to school at the University of Wyoming in Laramie and found myself falling back here. All my family's here, and I... I can't seem to get away. <laughs> I know we all think we're going to leave, but we don't because yes. we travel yes. away yeah. and realize we want to stay here, huh? Yeah. Yep. I love it. How about you? Yeah. Well, I, I was born and raised in Torrington. Oh, um, my, okay. My dad was a cop there for 41 years, and he was chief for 30. Okay. Uh, there, there in Torrington, and then I went to uh, my undergrad in in South Dakota at Black Hill State University. I love Black Hills. Yep. 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 I, I really enjoyed my time there. I worked as a reserve officer for the police department there as I was working on. Uh, that was my internship, and then I stayed on and uh, got hired here in 2003. So I've I've been here since 2003. So okay. So then my question would be, how have you seen Cheyenne change then over the last 20 years? Oh yeah, it's it's so funny because you know I live now. My my house is in the point. And I remember when I first started, and that was just an open field, and there was yeah. nothing there. Yeah. And, and I remember I, I worked the North Area for a little while, and I remember patrolling up there when they were just starting to build the houses and, and, and how it changed. So it, it's crazy to me how Cheyenne has absolutely boomed and how the city's just expanding so drastically. And um, it's, it, it's made a, a huge difference. You know, I've seen the number of officers increase a lot. Yeah. And, and right now we have a huge initiative on, on hiring officers because we're looking at the city expanding even more. 
Um, the mayor has been super supportive and the council has been super supportive uh, with us. Actually, this morning we just gave a final offer up, f final offer out. So we're up to 110. We're approved 113 officers. Um, I don't, I don't know of any other larger community in Wyoming that that's that is that close, close to being to, fully staffed. Yeah. And I'd like to make a plug here really quick that um, that Wyoming is a great place for law enforcement to come work because Wyoming, for the most part, enjoys support from its citizens for law enforcement, while across the country, you know, um, that is not the case and law enforcement, you know, cops are leaving their professions because of that lack of support. And so I would just like to say to anybody out there listening that if you live in a different state and you still want to be a law enforcement officer, but you don't want to be one where you're at, come to Wyoming because yeah. you will enjoy support here. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and we see that all the time. It's, mm -hmm. I, I really uh, enjoy our chief, Mark Francisco, yes. and, and I enjoy chatting with him about, you know, coming from a, a large community. He was a deputy chief in, in Kansas, Kansas City, City. Missouri, mm -hmm. and, and he talks about all the time, you know, how it wasn't that bad in Kansas City, but there, there was still a pretty large group of people who don't support the police there and, mm -hmm. and, and how the, the city reacts immediately when something goes wrong. And, and you know, I, I give credit to our community, everything else. I also give credit to the culture that, that we've built here. Mm -hmm. um, on, on understanding and those sort of things. Um, and, and it's something we strive to keep. I, I, I think it's really important, you know, trust and legitimacy with the community is so important to keep because yep. you can lose it so quickly. Mm -hmm. um, so we work really hard to keep that. We, we work hard to interact with our community as it mm -hmm. goes. Uh, but it is so nice when I when I'd hire officers from other cities, especially large cities. Yeah. Um, the the difference was amazing. They'd get here and almost instantly be like, "People are waving at me." With, with <laughs> How many all times have we heard that? You know? <laughs> Everyone says that in this podcast. Yeah. They're like, "Why are they, they all, all waving?" waving. Uh, like they just want to acknowledge you, yep. and it's important that you wave back. It apparently. is. Yes. Please <laughs> acknowledge them back. Yes. Yeah. 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 So it's it, it, it's really neat, and they really enjoy it, and they like the space when they get out here. Um, you know, I, I had an officer. Uh, from Chicago PD test out here once and he actually failed his oral board and talking to him later you know he had a hard time answering any questions because he says where I work when I get out of my car my first thought is how am I going to get sued how am I going to get put on on Aww. blast on social media and how am I going to get in trouble and it's really nice here so you that just keep your mouth shut correct, correct. <laughs> you don't make decisions right. and, and, and that was Aww. his problem in his interviews he couldn't make decisions and so it's really nice here where we can take our officers and we can give them lots of training um, people don't understand how much training officers get. It's a yeah. massive amount. And really here, even in Wyoming, the opportunity for training is so much higher than I think in other yes. states as well. Yes, absolutely. And, and yeah. so we, we give those officers that, that mm -hmm. training. We, we teach them how to make decisions, and we let them make decisions. We know that we're human beings, and, and mistakes may happen, which also means we'll take those as a learning opportunity, and we'll do more training, or we'll work on it as a department as a whole, and try to get better, because we can always mm -hmm. get better and improve. But we let them do their job and, and let them do the best they can to, to help the community. Mm -hmm. uh, we let them do their own problem solving. We let them look at crime and analyze crime in their own in their own uh, areas. We, we have seven areas in town that we split up. And so officers are, are able to kind of look at this, take ownership of their area, and figure out what they can do to best help that, that area that they work. Yeah, that is. I like that. Nice. And then the community can also maybe see a familiar face. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
with an officer that's in the same area. And I think with those other states or those communities where um, officers are coming from, where they come under such scrutiny from the public and come under attack, really, from the public, that mm-hmm. it kind of puts the community as a whole in at more risk. Mm-hmm. If your officer is paralyzed because they can't make decisions or they're afraid of what's going to happen next, mm-hmm. then, um, you know, then people are not going to be held accountable for their decisions as much. Oh. So, Absolutely. Well, yep. and, you're, and you're less likely to, to solve crime. Yeah. I mean, in, in, yep. my, in my 20 years here, we have one unsolved homicide. You talk to the chief in Kansas City and, you know, you're talking 50, 60 percent of them are unsolved homicides because wow. they don't trust the police. So witnesses and victims and other people, they, they don't want to talk to the police. So mm-hmm. they're going to say, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, we recently ran into this with, with a major um, crime not too long ago where right. we had a group of, of youth that wanted to be like that. And, it, you know, every time an officer would talk to him, he'd be like, well, I'm not going to do your job. Well, it didn't take long before we got the story and we figured it out. You know, we eventually did. And, and, but you don't get that in, mm-hmm. in, those, in those bigger communities or areas where you don't have that trust. Uh, people won't talk to you, so you're going to be a lot less likely to solve those crimes mm-hmm. um, because police cannot solve crimes without help from the community that, mm-hmm. that they work yeah. in. And, and I think that's a misnomer with some of the youth that, you know, they, they watch the crime shows on TV and everything else, and they, they think, well, the cops can do it on their own. Well, absolutely not. No. A- absolutely not. Every <laughs> I don't know crime. how many times I've seen on Facebook where some the people who always have something negative to say, but you guys post something uh-huh. about help mm-hmm. us catch this shoplifter or whatever, yeah. and they're like, well, if you you could do it yourself. Mm-hmm. Like, no, it takes everybody, absolutely. and you can solve it a lot quicker if everyone looks at the person and maybe yep. someone recognizes them. Yeah, oh, justice absolutely. can be had. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, go back to the 1860s with Sir Robert Peel. You know, he said the, the public are the police and the police are the public. There's, there's a reason for that. You know, we mm-hmm. have to work together yeah. to, to solve crime, to prevent crime, um, to work on it. And, and it's something that we can always improve on. Uh, you know, Cheyenne's just that weird size. You know, growing up watching my dad police in a, in a you know, 5,000 person town, mm-hmm. it was, I mean, you talk about community engagement. We never left our house without someone stopping and talking to him or, <laughs> yeah. or our doorbell rang constantly because yeah. he, you know, he made sure to put his address out there so people could come to the house and talk to him if they wanted to. Wow. Our, our phone rang off the hook constantly because people wanted to talk to him about this or that or, or all these other problems. So that's, that's, where, that's the type of community engagement that, that I'm used to. Mm-hmm. But we're getting to that, that size where it's kind of like, okay, we got to distance a little bit because otherwise mm-hmm. we, we can't do our job as it goes. Mm-hmm. And so it, it, it's a really weird size department where, where we have this great opportunity to feel like a small town, to stay engaged and to make those relationships and, and everything else. But we still have a, a, a good amount of crime compared to those, those itty bitty towns, towns. that, that yeah. just don't have it. I, you know, and the population, you talk about the size of the department, um, and we're always kind of operating within the, the population of Cheyenne. And I joke all the time because people, the rest of Wyoming sees Cheyenne as the big city. And, you know, I've, um, you know, it's not the big city compared to Denver or mm-hmm. L.A. or Minneapolis or Houston or whatever the case is. Uh, but it is big for Wyoming. But I think there's a real sweet spot happening here when you've mm-hmm. got roughly 65,000 people in city limits and 100,000 in the county. It's this perfect blend of being rural enough, Mm -hmm. um, but also there's things to do, which is what everybody wants. Everybody wants things to do. And then we have access of things to do, whether it's going to Laramie or down into Colorado, but we all get to 
retreat (laughs) back to Wyoming. And it's one of my favorite things about Cheyenne is really kind of the size of the city. So, Oh, absolutely. Me too. I have have three teenage girls who love volleyball. They all play club volleyball. Mm -hmm. Uh, So this weekend we'll go to Colorado for for all three days in the weekend. We're this, this time of year, we're we're right in the middle of it and we're in Denver pretty much every Sunday playing volleyball. But we have an access you know, we have access each girl in their grade you know they have over 100 teams in in their in their divisions you know wow growing, again growing up in torrington yeah that's you, not there no. one there was no club sports <laughs> right right and, and and you just didn't have access to that that amount of competition to mm-hmm. to continue to to grow and learn and work on work on those sort of things so it is really neat to be so close but I tell you, every time I leave Denver area, I'm so happy Bye. to be coming yeah, back. Yes. Yeah, as, as soon as I hit Wellington going north, I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh thank here goodness. we are. Even though there, I feel like somebody like figured out where the wind started and uh-huh. stopped and then drew the line for Wyoming. This is it right here. Yep. So this is where the border is going to be. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I, I am so thankful. And, and that's, I mean, even crime runs out. We, we see it with crime. We'll see um, a lot of the stolen cars we get end up down in that area yeah. and, and we get people coming up and, and take them down there. So that's, again, we're, we're that weird size where we got enough around us that, that we yeah. attract some of that for crime and being on two interstates. It's been really kind of crazy lately because over the last couple of years, we've, we've had a few organized crime groups come through town. Um, we had one come to do a, a, a home invasion uh, connected to some, some organized, organized crime. They ended up getting caught in Chicago uh, we wow. we had the recent ATM uh, robbery where they pulled the ATM with a stolen car, put stuff in another Drug stolen it, car. Yeah. Yep, and and they were out of Texas on that. Um, we had some organized crime out of South America come through, running a scam where they'll distract um, elderly female shoppers, steal their their debit card, and they will buy gift cards to rack it up completely, and before the person can even report it as as stolen. Wow. And and those. Go along the interstates. And, and, well, that's and, what I was just about to yep. say. The convergence of I twenty five and I eighty. Yep. yep. Right I twenty. Well, <laughs> it is I twenty five, I eighty, but it's funny because it's right across I eighty. We, sure. We, we can track it through Nebraska, going all the way east, and then you can track it coming back, and it's 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 pretty crazy. And and you know we we've had some detectives do some amazing work on those cases, and it's it's pretty impressive that the work they've been able to do with other agencies and and finding these people. Yeah, I was just about to make to say that um, Wyoming Highway Patrol also does a really good job there along I eighty in the partnership with the local departments. Mm-hmm. Is always I'm always so thrilled and thankful for their hard work because yeah, I eighty is sort of a it's a trafficked. Mm-hmm. place. <laughs> yeah. So you've seen Cheyenne change over the last 20 years. What do you see coming? Like what's happening next? How are, how will we continue to grow? Yeah. And it's weird when you look at it because, because you see us booming to the east, um, growing to the east side of town. And I'm sure we'll start seeing some more commerce over there and commercial, mm-hmm. commercial stuff as it, as it grows. Um, there's a lot of talk about the South side water and sewer district, uh, which is, is a huge amount of population that, that we could, annex overnight and which would be a huge issue for us as far as infrastructure mm-hmm. um, we, we've done studies and, and we've looked at call volumes in those areas uh, and and we've let the council and the mayor and everybody know that you know we're looking at 25 to 30 more cops in order to make that happen Wow um, also then we need then we will need the civilian personnel to help with with the records and the evidence and and all mm-hmm. those other specialty things that we need done at, at the department so it would it would make it just a big big change for us it'd, it'd be a challenge that you know we're we're ready and willing to take on if 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 it comes to it and if that's mm-hmm. if that's what's needed i mean I, I understand why that annexation is is sought out and i understand the agreements made in the 70s <laughs> when it came to that it's, it's a little crazy that yeah. it's taken this long um and you know my entire career i've heard it 
talked about. You know, mm-hmm. oh, the South Side Water and Sewer, and it's and it's always on on the governing body's mind is that South Side Water and Sewer. Um, so it'll be interesting if it ever happens, and and it'll really change uh, Cheyenne quite a bit. At, at least our city infrastructure. Um, it'll it'll take a lot for us to take that on. And I think we're doing a good job. Um, you know, Sergeant Peterson does our hiring and recruiting, and and he's hiring people like crazy. Okay. And, and like I said, we've got great support. You know, we're approved one thirteen. Uh, I believe we have five people waiting to finish their backgrounds and get offers, and and the mayor's like, I can do the work and and probably get you past that if you need it, and and so we'll we'll see when we get to one thirteen if we're able to go to one fourteen if we're yeah. able to go to one fifteen, <laughs> and and then it then it becomes a little easier to talk about you know when we talk about those annexations when when we're getting enough people, you know sure. we we've been lucky for the last year we haven't had a lot of people leave, um, we the the problem with law enforcement is you can't just hire someone and throw them to work right um, you know right. We, there's a lot to get them going absolutely mm-hmm. i mean we're over six months for us before that officer's on their own um a newly trained or a lateral how does it work with a transfer yeah, yeah lateral officer yeah. We're, we're looking at roughly five months um okay because what, what we'll do we'll usually do um a week of, or i mean a month of ground school where we teach them our policy our procedure we'll teach them a little bit about cheyenne uh city ordinance we'll do some custody control stuff we'll do firearms a lot of different things then we'll send them to the academy and they're at the academy for 12 weeks and then they'll come back we'll do another month of ground school um, where we kind of take those because the, the the academy teaches to um, a whole wyoming standard right. so so they can't narrow into how individual departments do it and so hopefully when they come back they've, they've got that foundational knowledge that we can take and we can work with them to, to now how do you take that knowledge and make it apply to cheyenne and and so because you know they teach a lot of things up there for officers who don't have backup. Well, right. Never ever ever should an officer in Cheyenne search a building by themselves. Right. You know, never ever should they go into a domestic violence call by themselves. They should never make an arrest by themselves. We have lots of backup, lots of cover. You know, the vandalism might have to wait a little longer for that backup officer to come take or right. those sort of things. But we okay. we're very fortunate that we have we have lots of officers. And, and so it's different. So we spend a month doing that, and then they do 14 weeks of field training on, on top of that. So a, a, a lateral officer does basically a month of ground school and then goes right into that 14 weeks of, of training, and we can get them, get them a little sooner. Uh, but a new hire officer takes a long time. And mm-hmm. so when, when someone goes, announces they're going to retire, um, we're looking at a long process to get that position filled. filled. So, sure. so, yeah, hopefully... It's, we've been very fortunate with with this mayor that, that he lets us kind of hire above when we can, um, and, and so we can get people in those spots faster. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, um, I guess Alex, this would maybe be a question for you. So, what um, what is the community like? How's the best way to say this? What's the community's response? Like, what types of interactions are you having with the community as it relates to law enforcement? And what are some of the issues that they're facing as they're communicating with you? And um, how are you all able to solve that? Right. Um, So I communicate with the community a lot through events that the police department is hosting. We Mm -hmm. host a Citizens Police Academy uh, twice each year, every year. And so we invite members of our community into the department to see behind the scenes. I love that program, by the way. It's It's awesome. It's a five week program. Did you do it? I did it in Gillette. I did not do it here. Yeah. yeah. Yes. All of our police officers, they specialize in different areas within the department and they're actually teaching our citizens a little bit about what they do every single day. Um, So through that program, we're actually allowed to gather a lot of feedback 
feedback about what our citizens are thinking and feeling. Um, and then our neighborhood night out program in the summer is also a really yes. great way for us to interact with our community. That's a great and idea. Going back to what you were talking about, about building connections with your neighborhood, um, that program is designed to um, get neighbors talking to each other and get them talking with law enforcement. Um, community members host block parties. And um, really, it's just it's a fun celebration in the summertime all throughout the city of Cheyenne. Um, and so I, I think that, um, you know, people are always willing to help our officers. Um, mm-hmm. I see uh, interactions with community members a lot through social media, too. Whenever mm-hmm. we are asking for help, they're providing feedback. <laughs> and really, they just want to be involved, um, yeah. I think, is the biggest thing. You're right. And so we're always constantly trying to reach out to our community members and encourage that line of communication. Wonderful. And I guess I hadn't, I mean, I, um, I've seen those community block parties and they yes. seem like a lot of fun. I, oh, just in having worked in along the, along the periphery of marketing over the last 10 years, I understand how hard it is to get the word out. That really is one of the biggest challenges, right? And getting people to participate. And I would say as it relates to real estate and people choosing their neighborhood and the community that they're living in, to be intentional about that, to attend that neighborhood block party so you do get to know your neighbors. That's a really great point. Mm-hmm. So, And then, of course, I think attending the Citizens Police Academy, I think everybody should do that. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> kind of understand what they are about. And especially if you do have some reservations, you know, if you've had a bad interaction with an officer or whatever the case is to take the time to go to the police department and get to know, um, the officers and maybe go through that Academy is a great way to sort of overcome that. So I don't think people realize like how open we are to like providing feedback and talking with our community and at any time anyone's invited to come and, um, and speak with us. So we'd like to keep that door open. Of course. I think that's a great, that's a great thing. So, well, we, we are, we have two questions that we like to ask all of our guests as we're wrapping up. And mine is, what is your favorite thing about Cheyenne? Um, I I think that my favorite thing about Cheyenne really is the people. It's kind of like a cliche response, but it's so true. Um, people are very kind here. It's a very welcoming community. Um, also as just a younger person, um, in this community, I think that there's a lot of opportunity. Um, if you want to do something, you're able to do it, um, just because of the size of this community and how open people are to new ideas. And so I think that, um, the future of Cheyenne is exciting. And I think, that's my, my that's a good point well and I always say in Wyoming we're only one step removed from anybody so if there is something you're trying to accomplish most likely somebody around you can help get you there Mm -hmm. (laughs) absolutely yeah mine mine is mine's very much the community I Mm -hmm. I like the fact that we can depend on each other in Cheyenne Mm -hmm. um, way better than anywhere else I've ever seen you know she talks about citizens wanting to help Mm -hmm. and it, it is really funny to watch lateral officer's faces or even the chief's face when he's in there because I'm, I'm on the I one of my jobs is, is I chair our force review board um, which, which has a couple experts on it has a has an officer that's voted in by by their peers our, our force um, specialist and then a civilian member on it and it happens very regularly that our officers are forced uh, because the actions of the person they're trying to arrest to put them on the ground and to handcuff them. And it's amazing how often, even in the pitch dark in the middle of the night, you'll you'll hear a car stop in the background. And you'll hear, "Hey, are you okay? Do you need help?" And our officers like, "We got it. We're good." You know, uh, you just don't see that anywhere else. And it, and it just no. it. It absolutely, our, our lateral officers come in and say, they're, they're floored by it. They're like, what do you mean? <laughs> you yeah. What, what are you trying to do to me? And, and so, no, the, mm-hmm. the community here is amazing. You know, and with, with my three girls, um, I, I couldn't ask for better sets of schools um, and, mm-hmm. and for the better 
better peer groups that they have there and, and mm-hmm. teachers and they're just so so lucky and and then of course my my 16 year old you know looking at college coming up soon and yeah. and and what wyoming has to offer with hathaway mm-hmm. scholarships and everything else it's it's pretty amazing the the opportunities you have in wyoming mm-hmm. yeah i completely so. agree i agree um my question that i it doesn't really pertain to anything we've been talking about. <laughs> but it does pertain to real estate. But so. I've asked it to <laughs> everyone, so you get to answer. Um, if you could purchase property anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? Oh. That's and tough. money's not an option. I mean, money's not a, you a factor. Could, yeah, a factor. You, where would you, would you go? <laughs> anywhere in the world. <laughs> I know. Um, somewhere with mountains. I need mountains wherever I go. Yes, I would yeah. completely agree. Yes. And and we really like to travel. And so for me, I it really doesn't matter. You, you know? don't want to like one place. Yeah, yeah. I, I you know I, I I love the community, so it's really nice to have a place here. And and you know I talk all the time about you know someday when I retire maybe snowbirding and mm-hmm. and going somewhere warm during the winter where the wind doesn't blow and come back here during the summer because it's fantastic. <laughs> And those sort of things. And I don't think I can ever convince, as much as my wife tries to humor me, convince her to leave. You know, she was, right, yeah. she was born and raised in Burns. Her whole family lives here. Uh, she's got yeah. she's got connections for generations here. That's how I am. I'm like, I will move if everyone comes with me. Yep, yep, <laughs> yep. If we just pick up my Cheyenne and move it with right. us. Yeah. Yep, yep. So, yeah, the, the possibility of moving would, would, would never happen. But, yeah, if I had unlimited funds there would be several different places yeah. you know there would be beach places there would be mountain places there would be you know all, all those all those things cuz we love to travel and see other things and it's nice to have Cheyenne as that kind of central location mm-hmm. to come back to you know it's only an hour and a half drive to DIA which I'm I'm plenty okay, okay with, with. Mm-hmm. so your your guys's answers have not are not uncommon with what we've heard and i the conclusion i'm coming to is that when you live in Wyoming you choose to live in Wyoming. Yeah. 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 And so just about everybody that we have asked that question of, um, it's here and it's, or it's within the mountains or the environment that this provides. Um, but there, there's still the case to be made for, um, Airbnbs and you don't necessarily need to buy a house in, um, Miami, Florida, but you can Airbnb there and you can, you know, travel all around and see all the different things. So yeah, that's been a very common theme for us. So Anyway, thank you so much for coming on today. And for all of our listeners, uh, Lindy and I are realtors here at Peak Properties. So, of course, if you're looking to buy or sell, please feel free to get a hold of us on our website at www.sellcheyenne.com, as well as all of our social media accounts. And, of course, Beyond the Front Door is on um, uh, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and uh, on social media. So come find us. Yes, thank you. Yep. Great. Thank you. This episode of Beyond the Front Door is brought to you by Peak Properties in Cheyenne, Wyoming. With over 75 years of combined experience in real estate, it's our goal to help clients buy and sell and save by providing the information you want and the professional services you expect. Let us help you with your residential, commercial, HUD, income-producing properties, as well as vacant land and rental needs. To learn more, visit www.sellcheyenne.com.